0: been married for 30 years he's a pioneer of catholic lay evangelization and she has a master's degree in theology put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures it's time for bible with the barbers now here's terry and mary danielle welcome to bible with the barbers thank you for joining
1: us here on this tuesday afternoon in this Easter season, in this Easter season, amen, amen. So, uh, by the way, this this Thursday is actually Ascension Thursday. That's right. The Ascension happened forty days after Easter. That's why we always celebrate it on a Thursday, although they can transfer the oh, liturgical yeah. observance oh, yeah. of it to Sunday. a Sunday.
2: But um, this this Thursday is Ascension Thursday. <laughs> and just by chance, no, the Melkite right who have uh, mass here at Sundays uh, here at the Sacred Heart Chapel, they tell me I'm going to go to it. I'm going to the 7.30 vigil, Mass on Thursday, Ascension Thursday. They actually keep it on Thursday here. That's beautiful. Yeah. So if you want That's to come good. to the Sacred Heart Chapel, yeah. Ascension Thursday, we'll have Mass at 7.30. The,
1: the Melkites, are, they, they have their own. Tell them
2: what they are. They're they're, Eastern they're,
1: it's an Eastern Rite of the Catholic Church, and they have their own bishop, and so they're not dispensed. They don't transfer the, the uh, Ascension to a Sunday, so they celebrate it on the Thursday. I think it's beautiful, are. appropriate. So, today's reading, um, the Gospel of Tuesday of the sixth week of Easter, is from the Gospel according to John, Mm -hmm. chapter 16, verses 5 through 11. Jesus said to his disciples, Now I am going to the one who sent me, and not one of you asks, where are you going? But because I told you this, grief fills your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is better for you that I go. For if I do not go, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world in regard to sin and righteousness and condemnation. Sin, because they do not believe in me. Righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me condemnation because the ruler of this world has been condemned. The gospel of the
2: Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
1: <clears throat> so in this gospel, Jesus is telling his apostles that I'm, I'm going, and he's been telling them that. This is the, the Last Supper um, dialogue that Jesus has. Not dialogue, it's, a, it's, his, it's like a sermon that he preaches to, its, and it's a prayer. It's beautiful. The last 14, 15, 16, and 17, those chapters of John's gospel are just absolutely beautiful. Mm. And he's telling his apostles he's going to leave and they're not going to see him anymore. And they're sad. They're sad about this. As a matter of fact, he says, your hearts are filled with grief. It's one of the reasons they couldn't stay awake in the garden that night, in the Garden of Olives. You know, when you're really, really sad about something, it, I mean, it weighs you down. and you it
2: makes you lethargic. Yeah. You're
1: immobilized and you can't do the things that you need to do. Sure. So, but he tells him, he says, it's better for you that I go, because if I don't go, the advocate will not come. So God, again, you know, we wouldn't know that God is a trinity of persons if God hadn't become man and revealed this to us. How would we know that God is a father if his son didn't come and reveal that he's a father and that, you know, I, that Jesus didn't reveal to us that he was the son of God. And then the advocate is the Holy Spirit, the personal love between the father and the son. And we wouldn't know him if Jesus hadn't revealed him. And he comes to complete the work that Jesus began. So it's not just, you know, me and Jesus. The Holy Trinity works in in us to accomplish their work. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is constantly at work within us. And so Jesus sends the advocate and he says, It's better for you that I go because if I don't go, the advocate will not come. So it's important. The Holy Spirit is not just an aside some sort of a oh well, you know, whatever made up, you know, just kind of an expression of of the presence of God or whatever. No, he's a real person. He's the third person of the blessed Trinity, and he teaches us everything. He enlightens our minds and our hearts and he sanctifies us. And that we when we speak of the the Trinity, we, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yeah. within the Trinity there's a distinction of persons. Mm-hmm. But outside the Trinity, They're always working together, except that only the second person of the Blessed Trinity became man. It's not that the Father and the Spirit were somehow man with him, but they were present in um, causing the humanity of Jesus Christ to be united to the second person of the Blessed Trinity. So the entire Trinity is there holding that unity together, creating that unity, But, but only the second person became man. But other than that, all the works that are done outside the Trinity All three of the persons are active.
2: I also notice that as we read the Easter season Acts of the Apostles, it seems that Holy Mother the Church usually has confirmations at this time of the year for a reason.
1: Right, exactly, because that was the the promise of the Spirit came at Pentecost, and that was the, the, the promise of the Spirit. Jesus gave the first, sort of the first installment, as it were, on the night of the resurrection when he gave the Apostles, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven. That's John 20. Mm-hmm. And gives them the power to forgive sins. And then he, um, they receive the fullness of the Spirit in Pentecost, which we'll be reading about today in the Acts of the Apostles. So don't go away. We're going we're gonna to get to Pentecost today in the Acts of the Apostles. So Jesus tells them that the advocate must, must come and that he will send him. So when Jesus goes, he's not leaving you. I will not leave you orphans, he had said to them. And so he is sending them another paraclete, he's sending them the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And he says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world in regards to sin, righteousness, and condemnation. We often misunderstand these things. So oftentimes we, we see things just from our own perspective and we really don't have God's perspective on things.
2: I I think that that's a fair statement to say, have a supernatural outlook on life rather than you know, just looking at it from an earthly view. Exactly. Because I like to say life is short and eternity is forever. Um, You know, this life is very short for even those who live to be 70, 80, for those right. who are strong. But yeah. the point of it is the supernatural outlook that we have in life really will affect what we do in this life. Exactly.
1: It does. And that's... Do, do we think that we're created for a finality in this world? Or do we understand yeah. that we were made for union with God Amen. right here on earth Amen. and for eternal union with God in heaven? Yep. And if we miss that, <clears throat> we're going to miss our purpose in life. And it was, you know, if souls are saved, everything is As saved. Bishop Sheen said, if souls are lost, everything is lost. Absolutely. <laughs> and the point of it is that <clears throat> if we understand that the most important thing is to save souls, yeah. you know, whether we're rich or poor, is not the most important thing. Whether we make a lot of money or don't make a lot of money is not the most important thing. As a matter of fact, whether people treat us right or not is not the most important thing. Now, granted, always pray for people when they don't treat you right, but also pray for the times that we haven't treated each other right. We need to pray for the grace. Remember the act of love. Oh my God, I love you above all things with my whole heart and soul because you are all good and worthy of all my love. And I love my neighbor as myself for the love of thee. I forgive all those who have injured me and I ask pardon for all whom I have injured. And you know, oftentimes in life when people injure us, it's really not malicious or intentional. It's thoughtless or selfish. We're all selfish and we're thinking about ourselves and what our own goals are, what our own, you know, and we're not, we're just thinking about, well, how can this person help me get to my goal? And we're not really thinking about that person and what their needs are. And so we end up hurting them. And it's not even malicious on our part or, you know, we didn't think it all out ahead of time. It's just like, no, we're just being thoughtless. And so the advocate, the spirit will teach us not to be thoughtless. So what is sin? Well, according to Jesus, sin because they did not believe in me. It's a sin to not believe in Jesus. Now we talk about sins of commission and sins of omission. Explain those two. A sin of commission is an act that we actually do that violates the law of God. By the way, the Ten Commandments are not ten suggestions. <laughs> they're, they're the owner's manual. God oh made God. us, and he, he told us what would make us happy. Yeah. And what will make us happy is to live a virtuous life and to live as children of God, to behave like God is his very dear children. And that's what the Ten Commandments teaches us. As a matter of fact, they don't restrict our freedom. They give us true freedom mm-hmm. because it's not free to act in a way that goes against my nature. It's not true freedom to destroy something. And when we destroy ourselves, when we sin, so there's sins of commission, that's we commit an act, we deliberately choose or commit an act that's against the will of God. But there's sins of omission, and that is when we omit to do a good that we should do. And faith, by the way, and if you want the gift of faith, ask for it. Lord, I do believe I help my unbelief or Lord, you know what? I don't believe, but people are telling me that you're real. Would you reveal yourself to me? Will you show me that you're real? I want to believe. I want to know the love that you've poured out for me. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And so the world is wrong about sin because sin is to not believe in Jesus Christ. That's the first sin. We reject the Lord. So we need to pray for all those people who don't believe in Jesus Christ And don't believe in the message that he brought and that he is truly the son of God, that he is truly God from all eternity, but he took on a human nature, became man in order to redeem mankind. We need to pray for the grace to believe and pray for all those who don't believe that, that they can come to believe. And what else is the Holy Spirit going to convict them of? Well, he's going to convict them about righteousness. Because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. Jesus didn't come to do his own will. He comes to do the Father's will. How many times in our life is it's like, well, but I want to do it this way. I think this is the way things should be. Lord, what's wrong with you? Why are you letting these things happen in the church? Don't you realize that that makes confusion and and all this? And and don't you think you ought to do it this way, Lord? (laughs) We do it all the time, don't we? Ah, and when things get dark, we do it more. No, we need to stop complaining and we need to look at the Lord and say, okay, Lord, no, not my will, but thine be done. And this is what Jesus did. He came to do the Father's will. And so in the end, it was not the Father's will that he would stay present among us in a bodily form that we could see and touch. Now, he is still physically present among us in the Eucharist, and it is the physical reality of Christ. Read Mysterium Fide. It's there because he's in a real body, a risen, ascended, glorified body, but it's a real body. And that music's going to play here, so I guess we're going to have to finish up this part about condemnation after the break but thank you for joining us if you have a question 888-526-2151 if you want to make a donation 877-526-2151 or register for one of our
2: conferences go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org to do that online we'll be right back with much more This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 526 2151 that's june 15th when your husband comes back from this conference or your son they're going to have a different view about their catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love jesus and his bride the church and are going to instill in them a love for christ and his church the eucharist our lady bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org sign up there or call 877-526-2151 full sheen ahead
0: It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the Gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please, prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888 526 Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Well, welcome back. And so Jesus said um, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no more. And again, yeah, he's still with us in the Eucharist, but we don't see him. We see the appearance of bread and it is only appearance. It's, it's not a reality anymore. The the substance of the bread has been changed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. The risen, ascended, glorified body, blood, soul, and divinity. It's the physical
2: reality of Christ. And I think a good way of saying it is under the appearance of bread and wine. Many times we hear people say, oh, yeah, I like Jesus in the bread and the wine. Mm -hmm. And that's not right. You hear it all the time. So it's under the appearance of bread and wine. It's been transformed into the body, blood, Blood, soul, and divinity divinity of of Christ. Absolutely. It's so important to get our terms correct Correct. because— words have meaning they do words have
1: meanings and when we use the improper words we get the wrong idea we can get the wrong idea and so then he says and about condemnation because the ruler of this world has been condemned Mm -hmm. and what it was was jesus came to redeem us from the power of satan because of original sin, all men are born under the influence of the demon. We're, we, have, we don't have the life of God in our soul. Our parents can't give that to us. Only God can give us his own life, and he gives that through the sacrament of baptism normally. That's the normal means to receive his life in our soul. We are bound by the sacraments. God is not. God can work outside that sacramental system, but it's we are to try to spread the word of God and to preach the gospel to everyone and, and invite people to baptism. But we have to leave it up to God and the Holy Spirit, through his, his Holy Spirit, to work in their soul, to bring them. We don't force them. And the church doesn't force people to convert. That's not what she does. And that's not what she ever did. And that's not what the Inquisition was about. And that's, we have Matthew Arnold did a whole set on that. And it's, it's beautiful because he gives you great explanations. But the prince of this world has been condemned because Jesus came and Satan was the prince of this world. And so he has been condemned and Jesus Christ took sin and it was nailed to the cross and it was St Paul explains he became sin for us and that was all of the all of the sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ so he redeems it now that doesn't mean sin goes away and that doesn't mean that anything we do is fine it is not there were you know unfortunately some of the reformers said oh we're just dung hills covered with snow his grace just covers us over and we're just rotten inside no mm-hmm. Jesus redeems us from the inside out. He makes us a new man. We become a new creation in Christ. And so we have to give up the sins. We have to, and we have the power to do that with the grace of God. And if we do that, Satan has no power over us. If we, when we're baptized, and even if we're not, you can ask the Lord to come into your heart and ask him to prepare you for the grace of baptism and to give you that grace to allow you to be baptized. But to ask the Lord in, and say, Lord, I want to live in accord with your will. And so I renounce sin by the way our baptismal promises. We renounce sin. And so I'm not, I am going to live by God's commandments and God's grace is present to do that in me. God gives me the courage and the strength. And yes, I can. We can live a moderate, temperate, chaste, holy life where we live in God's presence and live in union with him. And the ruler of this world has no more power over us because he has been condemned. And he is terrified of Jesus. Hmm. Remember, say devoutly. The church has said the easiest way to pray always, this is in the catechism, is to say devoutly the holy name of Jesus. Hmm. Say it devoutly many times a day. So the ruler of the world is cast out. He doesn't have power over us unless we consent to sin. So we say no to sin, ask God for the grace every day to remain free of sin today and to live in the freedom that he has won for us. We are his children and he wants us to behave like himself as his very dear children. Well said. So so we're going to go on here to yeah. chapter two of the Acts of the Apostles. And what happens in chapter two? Well, we have here, chapter two, we have the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the Apostles. And so they're all gathered together in one place. And Pentecost was what? It was that 50 days after Easter, that 50th day after Easter, and um, that commemorated the um, it became a commemoration of the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai among the Jews. And the Holy Spirit comes and there's a strong driving wind which actually shakes the house that they're in. They're praying together. And then tongues as a fire appear and they, it's it's a tongue as a fire that breaks apart and distributes it a tongue of fire rests on the head of all the apostles that are gathered and all the disciples that are gathered there and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in foreign languages. And what are they talking about? Well, let's see. They're giving um, utterances as the Holy Spirit moves them. Mm. And they're talking about the marvels that God has accomplished. And everybody in the crowd is hearing them speak in their own tongue. And they're like, how can this be? I mean, these guys are all Galileans. They're not well-educated men who speak lots of, you know, this is not, this is unusual. And, and besides which, how can all of us at one time each hear them speaking in our native tongue? Yeah. They're What's going on here? And, and um, some of them are like, wow, and they're speaking about the mighty works that God has accomplished. They tell us that. And they're telling us. And the people are amazed and perplexed. And then somebody says, oh, well, they've been drinking too much. Uh, <laughs> it's nine o'clock in the morning. And isn't that, isn't that typical of us human beings? It's yeah. like we see something extraordinary and we say, oh, it's a trick. There's something going on here. I'm not, not going to believe. No way. You're not going to convince me. And so the apostles have come together to pray. Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem and not to leave, but to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, Pentecost isn't a once a Done, you know, okay, once and for all, that's it, done, done with, never going to happen again. No, God pours out his spirit in on the church in every age. It was so beautiful. At, at Mass this morning, the Monsignor mentioned, you know, one of the bleakest centuries in the history of the church was the 12th century. The thir- you know, the 13th, the, well, that would be the what? Yeah, this, it would be the, the, 13th the 1100s, century. right? Yeah, well, it you was said the, 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 the 1200s, so
2: we call it the 13th century. Oh,
1: okay, century. the 13th century. Anyway, it was a very bleak time in the church. There was a lot of heresy. People didn't go to Mass maybe once or twice a year they went to mass for the most part most of the people they wouldn't go to holy communion no. they they believed that there were the manichaean idea of you know it's kind of like star wars guys by the way star wars beware ideas have consequences okay. the light side of the force and the dark side of the force you know and when the light side of the force is winning well god is winning i mean that the good good is winning and when the dark side of the force is winning well evil is winning and it's it's okay it's just part of the it's part of the force and we can't do anything about it Well, no, the demons do not have the same power of God. They're not God, and they're not equal to God. God is God, and none of his creatures are, and the demons are creatures, and they weren't made as demons. They were made as angels. Lucifer was the angel of light. He was the light bearer. He was the highest of all the angels, but he rebelled against God, and he became darkness because he rebelled. That's where evil comes from. When we rebel against God, that's evil. And so Pentecost comes, and the outpouring of the Spirit comes, and these people are be able to talk about God. And it's not, you know, this bleak time in the church. Well, what did God do? How did, how can He make? I mean, gosh, nobody's going to church. The church is going to die out. I mean, where's Christianity going to go? And what happened? Go back and read the you know how many saints God raised up Saint Francis of Assisi Saint, Saint Dominic, Dominic Saint Clair, yep. Saint Scholastica and on and on and all these great saints you know Dominic of course then you have Thomas Aquinas and Saint Albert the Great and mm-hmm. all the great Dominican saints and all the great Franciscan saints and the Church was renewed it was rejuvenated the the grace of God was poured out so we need to be praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit just as the apostles at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Between the ascension and Pentecost, they were praying for this gift that Jesus had promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Are we praying for this? Are we begging God to pour out his spirit upon us and upon the church to renew the church and to bring forth saints to you know in every day, O oh Lord, you raise up saints, men and women outstanding in holiness to show us the way.
2: Scott Hahn had an interesting comment years ago at the family conference. On uh, the Holy Spirit, he said that the church is, you know, pouring, but the church is snoring. In other <laughs> words, we have lukewarmness that we talked about earlier in our show, and that we have to wake up the church. And it's like a sleeping lion. We, we we can wake the church up, the Holy Spirit, the Pentecost coming, and really realize. I I see this often in ministry, Mary Danielle, that people who come back to the faith in just in fervor after living a lukewarm life, yeah. and something in their life. A, maybe some death in their family or something happened at, uh, in their life that they felt touched by God mm-hmm. and they realized they were living life like God didn't exist. And they're like, wow, I want to I wanna know more about my faith. I want to know more about Jesus. I want to live in the presence of God. I want to share my, my, my faith with people. And I see that and I, I always attribute that to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and also the spouse of the Holy Spirit.
1: Absolutely. The Blessed Mother is there to pray for us. <laughs> Remember, she was there at Pentecost. Right. She was there with the <laughs> okay. early church. Remember chapter one? Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there praying right. with the, old, the early church. Okay, And all his brethren, his relatives, who had come to believe in him, they were all there praying together with the apostles. And so when Pentecost came, our lady was there and she's praying with the church. And that's what she does still. She still is there. She's still here among the church. She is the mother of the church. Whatever is said of the church is only said of the church because it is first said and true of Mary, it says in the Second Vatican Council document on the church. Mm -hmm. Mary is mother and Mary is teacher. So the church is mother and the teacher is teacher. And Mary is virgin and mother. So the church is virgin and mother. And she brings forth children at the baptismal font for Christ. Children for Christ to build the kingdom of God and that's what we're supposed to be doing is building the kingdom of God. So they're speaking and I mean this is a these people are from all over the world, all over the known world you've got you know people from the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, the Mesopotamians, the Judean, Cappadocia, Pontius Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya beyond Cyrene and visitors from Rome and so they're from all over Cretans and Arabs and and we're all you know, and they're speaking about what God has done. And of course, then they say, well, they're just drinking too much. <laughs> so Peter gets up and he addresses the crowd and he says, no, these men aren't drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. They haven't been drinking. What you're hearing is the outpouring of the spirit. Now, it's interesting and in the commentary explains here, this is not the gift of tongues as it is experienced in the charismatic renewal. The Charismatic renewal, the gift of tongues is when people are given the gift to be able to praise the Lord God in a language which was also poured out in the early church. But St. Paul said that if you have the gift of tongues, you shouldn't exercise it unless there's someone there to interpret what you're saying so that what you're saying can be understood. So your praises that other people can join in your praises. And so this is not what this is. This is a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit makes it possible for the apostles to, while they're speaking one language, to communicate in 10, 12, however many languages were were spoken by that crowd so that everybody could understand what was being said because there wasn't a common language to unite them all. And so this is what's happening here. It's a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So Peter tells him and he says, what you're hearing here is what the prophet David had said in the Psalms. And in these last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh And your sons and daughters shall prophesy and young men will see vision and old men will dream dreams. And even on your men servant and your maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. So there you have it. So are we praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? That's what we should be praying for. We should be asking for it we'll be back after this break to talk more about the acts of the apostles here and the outpouring of the holy spirit
2: i want to remind you there's a women's conference on our website with mary danielle go to virgin most powerful for september 8th we'll be right back This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 526 2151 that's june 15th when your husband comes back from this conference or your son they're going to have a different view about their catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love jesus and his bride the church and are going to instill in them a love for christ and his church the eucharist our lady bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org sign up there or call 877-526-2151 full sheen ahead
0: It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the Gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please, prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org.
2: Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 Pro-Life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a Pro-Life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1.
0: This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barber's on virgin most powerful radio
1: thank you jesse for bringing us back and uh just on that uh women's conference is september 7th it's a saturday um it would be nice if it was on the blessed mother's birthday but that's a sunday so <laughs> the september 8th is blessed mother's birthday so the women's conference is september 7th i hope you can join us here at the chapel on uh, true femininity you you know, We all need to know what, what it really means to be a woman, what femininity is, and what masculinity is. God made us male and female. We need to understand what God made. Um, there was a, a listener question who asked about how do you differentiate between the, the persons of the Trinity. Within the Trinity, you have three persons, and we understand from the teachings of the church that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit— are all God. There's only one Godhead, but in God, there are three persons. God is the original family, as St. John Paul II said, because he's a community of love and life. So the father, and this is the way it it, has been explained. The father has, he has perfect knowledge of himself and he speaks one word. And that word is a word of perfect knowledge of himself. And that perfect knowledge is so real. It is a person. And that person is the son and the son goes. So the father begets the son from all eternity. And this is an eternal motion. This is, we speak of it and it seems like there's this time sequence. There's no time in God. This is one eternal motion. God is continually in motion, one eternal motion. So the, the son goes out from the father dynamically, but then he returns to the father in an embrace of love and in this embrace of love is the holy spirit this is the it, the spirit is spirated as it were in this embrace of love and so you have these three persons father son and holy spirit who are a community of love and life the father is not the son and he's not the spirit and the son is not the father and he's not the spirit and the spirit is not the father or the son okay this is very if you read the athanasian creed um you can look that up online the saint athanasian saint athanasius the athanasian creed that there are three distinct persons, but they share one Godhead. There's only one Godhead and they are co-equal, co-eternal. And so the father begets, the son is begotten, and the spirit is spirated. Now, the father is not sent. He doesn't have a mission. The son is sent and the spirit is sent. So both the son and the spirit have a mission. And that's just a short, you know, kind of introduction to the Trinity and read the catechism of the catholic church read read this this section because they they um on i believe in god you know the beginning it, it what the catechism does it goes through the creed and explains the teachings of the church on this and it's it's just beautiful because it's the reality and it is a mystery this is the greatest mystery of our faith that god is one there is only one god there is only one god but there are three distinct persons in god and man humankind, everybody, everything that God made is made as a reflection of himself. And the human family was made to reflect God. Okay. We're supposed to reflect God in our families. And, and it's also designed because God is not a solitude unto himself. He, it was not good for man to be alone. And Adam had to discover that. That's why in the beginning when God made Adam and he just made one man and then he, all the creatures he names and he finds not a suitable partner, it's because Adam had to discover that it wasn't good for him to be alone. And he had to discover that he needed a suitable partner for himself. And that suitable partner was woman. And man and woman, man and woman are complementary. They are distinct. They have different roles. But nonetheless, they share a common human nature. And when they come together in marriage, then their love is so real that, as Scott Hahn always liked to say, nine months later, you have to give it a name. It can become incarnate in another person. And of course, that's in humankind. We have, and, and so we have the, 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 the beginning and generating of children in marriage. And that's a reflection of the Trinity. It's not that God is male and female. In himself, God has no gender. He's pure spirit. God is God, and we are not. But the Son of God did become man, and He became male. He has his human nature um, is united to His Godhead for all eternity, and He is a man. Okay, but for for the Trinity itself, as God is God, does not have a gender. He He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that's and and when the Church refers to the persons of the Trinity. In in a pronoun, she always uses the masculine pronoun, and that's been the the, the tradition of the church forever. So um, it's not that that God is male and female; it's that He made male and female, and there are, that being a man, male, there are certain characteristics about the the male personality or being that reflect certain things of God. But there are also certain things of the female personality that reflect certain things of God. It's not that God is female. It's that women also reflect God, and femininity also reflects God. So I, I hope that's not too muddy or whatever, but go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church at the beginning and, and start reading some of the section there on the Trinity and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's three defined persons, co-equal, co-eternal, but distinct persons, The Father begets, the Son is begotten, the Spirit is spirated, and only the Son and the Spirit have a mission. Only the Son and the Spirit are sent. The Father is never sent. So we're back here now to um, the Pentecost speech of Peter. And it's interesting that Peter is just quoting from the Old Testament. He's showing that uh, what's happening here is a fulfillment of the prophecies, that everything that God does, he had foretold beforehand he would do. He promised and he, he foretold it and now he's fulfilling it. And so he's pouring out his holy spirit and we're prophesying but we're prophesying because this is God pouring out his holy spirit. And I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great day the great and manifest day. What's interesting is on the day that Jesus died, that's how they described The sun refused to shine, and the moon looked like blood at noonday. It wasn't an eclipse. (laughs) It was something that had never been seen before in history because God was dying, and all of nature was hiding its face, as it were, in the face of its creator dying. And so all of this was foretold ahead of time. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter makes it clear that Jesus, who came with mighty works, God had given him all these miracles to work, these signs and wonders. And, and, and you know, as you read through the Gospels, you know, he, he'll he work a miracle and the people will say, well, what sign are you going to do to make us believe in you? It's like, people, what more do you want me to do? You know, I've raised the dead, I've healed the leper, I've healed the sick and the lame, and and I can forgive sins, and I'll prove it by healing people who whom who, they're lame and you think they're lame or blind because of their sin and I heal them so I obviously have the power to forgive sin I can feed the multitudes with a couple of loaves and fish what more do you want me to do and you know don't ask God to prove it to you other than to say Lord I want to believe help my unbelief show yourself to me so that I can know you and love you but And don't be afraid to ask God to show himself to you. We need to do this. We need to ask. And we need to ask him to pour out his spirit upon us again. We need saints. This is what will answer the crisis. If you go back in the church, whenever there's a great crisis, the answer is the blood of martyrs and sanctity. And by the way, yes, there's the blood of martyrs, the red blood martyrdom where people spill their blood for Christ. And rather than denying Christ, they shed their blood. But there's also the white martyrdom of living fidelity to God day by day in the duties of our state and life. Look at St. Joseph. St. Joseph didn't die a martyr. We don't have a single recorded word of Joseph in the Gospels. Now we have his intention recorded. He intended to divorce Mary, not because he suspected her of adultery. He had considered that possibility and already rejected it because the evident holiness of her life would show that. And besides which... If he had suspected her of adultery, why was he afraid to take Mary as his wife and not angry? The angel didn't say, don't be angry, Joseph. The angel said, don't be afraid, Joseph. Joseph had already considered the possibilities. Had she been violated? The evident holiness and peace of her life said no, she wasn't violated. She'd been gone for three months, remember? She went off to the hill country of Judea to take care of Elizabeth. And when she came back, it was apparent that she was pregnant. And had she been unfaithful? Well, no, again, the evident holiness and peace of her life showed that she hadn't been unfaithful. So what is, And besides which, Joseph had to know that Mary had taken a vow of virginity. They were betrothed. I know I'm getting off a little bit, but look at St. Joseph and who he was and how he trusted in God and how he lived a hidden, silent life. We don't have any miracles recorded by Joseph. So all of us can imitate St. Joseph in being hidden and silent and not, ma- not forcing ourselves forward and saying everybody has to listen to me. I'm the one who knows everything, and I'm the one who should be listened to, and gosh, I'm being treated unjustly, and nobody's listening to me. St. Joseph is silent. As a matter of fact, he's so silent. He's been silent in the church for 2,000 years. The church has never really looked at and fully fleshed out the role of St. Joseph in salvation history. It's never really been fully brought forth theologically what his role was. And so he didn't just remain silent in his life. He's been silent for, and yet he's the greatest saint next to the Blessed Mother. So it's okay to be hidden. You don't have to go out there necessarily and don't put your fourth self forward and saying, oh, well, if, if 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 they come and start martyring Christians, I'm going to go out there and say, I'm a Christian. Remember, all the people who did that in the early church ran out and said, I'm a Christian. Come and get me. They were. They didn't persevere through the suffering we run and hide like cardinal manzini said when 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 the when he was in the seminary and they were talking about well what if the communists come here to hungary and take over hungary and all the seminarians were like oh we'll stand against them and we'll be so brave and we'll be so courageous and and the seminarian Menzensi said i'm gonna run and hide and that's exactly what he did but you know what he was the one who had to stand against the communists he was the one who had to suffer at the hands of the communists, and he's the one who would not compromise the faith and wouldn't set up a, a communist church. So we run and hide, yes, but we pray for the grace. It's like, Lord, if you want us to be martyrs, you're going to have to give us that grace in the moment that it comes. And in the meantime, can I run and hide? <laughs> and, but ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Just like, you know, it's interesting Before the apostles received this gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, they were hiding away in the upper room. And I hear that music again. This just goes too fast. We're just having way too much fun here. So we'll be back right after the break, and we'll talk more about this second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and how we should be asking for this. If you have a question, 888-526-2151 on Bible with the Barbers.
2: This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now are saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 526 2151 that's june 15th when your husband comes back from this conference or your son they're going to have a different view about their catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love jesus and his bride the church and are going to instill in them a love for christ and his church the eucharist our lady bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org sign up there or call 877-526-2151 full sheen ahead
0: It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the Gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: So here we are again. We're finishing up here. Um, uh, This is our last section of the show today, so (laughs) it went awful fast. We must be having a great time. Or as my younger brother said, yeah, time used to fly when I was having a good time. Now it just flies. <laughs> it comes that point in life too. <laughs> so he's preaching to them, Peter's preaching, and he tells them that Jesus of Nazareth, God gave him all these signs to, to convince you that he really is from God. And you know, people, we can be so stubborn in our hearts that there there's no amount of proof that can convince us of anything. We won't be convinced and again, remember, Jesus said, you know, in the, in the story of Lazarus and, and the rich man and the rich man dies and Lazarus goes to the bosom of Abraham and the uh, the rich man dies and goes to hell and Lazarus goes to the bosom of Abraham and 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 the rich man is tortured by the flames. And he says, well, send Lazarus with water, dip it in the, his, his fingers in water. To, my tongue is parched from these flames. And and Abraham says, no. And, and the rich man said, well, then at least send him back to warn my brothers so they don't come here. And they, Abraham said. If they're not gonna believe, they have Moses and the prophets. If they're not gonna believe them, they're not gonna believe even if somebody were to rise from the dead. And that's the reality, we have to realize that. There's no amount of proof that can prove it to us if we've set our heart against it. But we can pray God for the grace to take away our stony hearts and give us natural hearts that are capable of listening to the Holy Spirit so that we can be open and receive the light of faith and
2: the truths of the gospels. Can I interrupt you? Yeah. I've been out for 15 minutes on the phone. But I wanted to alert our listeners. Two things. Mary Danielle, I stand corrected for the Women's Conference. It's the 7th of September. But I'd forgotten, coming up this coming June, which is now, Saturday, June 22nd, uh, you're going to be in Whittier, uh, St. Gregory of Great, Whittier Parish. And you're going to be giving a talk on Mary in the Bible, at a woman's retreat, Marian conference, along with Matt Arnold. There you go. So I want people to know that it's from nine to from eight thirty. It starts with Mass, and uh, also you're going to be at that same day. You're bi locating <laughs> to Costa Mesa. I'll be there with you at a homeschooling conference at St. John the Baptist. Right. So you've got a busy day on the twenty second.
1: I do have a busy day on. And the And if
2: you'd like Mary to come and speak on the Bible to your parish, where. She's very happy. If you just contact virginmostpowerfulradio.org, you can contact her. Mary, you're the person, just for those who don't know this, many of them are on the app right now. When you ask questions, most of the time you're the one who responds to these questions on the app, especially when it comes with the topic of the Bible. So uh, I want to encourage people, if they have questions, to go on the app. Don't call it in. Write your question down so that we can get it uh, answered for. For you and for others who are thinking of the same question. There you go. So I'll let you get back. But yeah, I'm back. Very I just uh, was out for a few minutes there. Yeah, no I'm pardon. back. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so Peter is telling them, you know, that, and, and that here, here, you know, Pilate was ready to release Jesus, but the, the, the leaders of the Jewish people were asking for Jesus to be crucified. And though even though he was crucified, he was raised on the third day. And of course he he also says that David had said, I saw the Lord ever before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will dwell in hope. For thou wilt not abandon my soul to hates, nor let thy holy one see corruption. Thou hast known has made known to me the way of the path of life, and thou wilt make me glad in thy presence. And so the patriarch David, Peter says, is uh, he's buried. We know where his grave is, and um, so he was speaking as a prophet about his descendant, whom would raise be raised from the dead, and his body wouldn't decay. It wouldn't know decay, and this is he's quoting again. Peter is quoting from the Old Testament. He's mm. this is the, he's showing the fulfillment. Christ fulfills all the prophecies,
2: <clears throat> and
1: and um. He he also goes on to quote the um, the psalm. The Lord said to my Lord, "Sit at my right till I make your enemies your footstool." And um, David said that of his descendant. He didn't say it, and he, and he calls his own. You know, remember Jesus asked that question in the gospel. Well, how can David call him Lord if he's David's son? because the Messiah is supposed to be the son of David, Mm -hmm. but yet David himself says Lord. He calls him Lord, which is the name for God. So Jesus didn't see corruption. His body didn't see corruption. It was raised from the dead. And this is what Peter is witnessing. And he says, we actually saw him after he rose from the dead. We are eyewitnesses. So your faith is not based on some cleverly concocted myth. You're... Faith is based on eyewitness accounts of what happened. Mm-hmm. We saw Jesus. We ate and drank with him after his crucifixion and burial. We, He rose from the dead and we actually saw him, physically saw him. We touched him. We spoke with him. We walked with him. We ate with him. He was here in our midst. And so we are now, and these men had been frightened. They had locked themselves up in a room. They were afraid to talk. They didn't know what to say. And now, all of a sudden, they are speaking with absolute confidence and boldness about the Lord Jesus to the people. Their their joy is complete. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit has filled them with his presence, so their love is now perfected. And their perfect love has cast out, this perfect love of the Holy Spirit in them has cast out all fear. Jesus had said this in the Gospels. He said, love is not yet perfect in one who is afraid.
2: You know, I used the Fulton J. Sheen quote for the Terry and Jesse show about fear. Yeah. And he said that um, the fact that we're fearing the wrong thing, Yeah, we're fearing man rather than God. Exactly. And so it seems that this confidence that you're talking about, we can have this Absolutely. today, 2,000 yes. years Absolutely. later.
1: Absolutely. That's
2: the beauty of the faith.
1: It is. And that's the, the thing is, is that that fear of God, people think fear, oh, God's going to get me. He's going to know. The essence of fear of God, when we speak about the fear of God, it's awe and reverence in his sight that I know I was made by God. I was made for God, that God is his providence is absolutely universal. He is watching over every aspect of my life. He has it all in hand that the only tragedy is to turn away from him in sin. If souls are lost, Bishop Sheen said, everything's lost. If souls are saved, everything's saved. It's not about how much money you make. It's not about how much education you have. It's not about how little money you make or how little education you have. It's about how much love do you have for God and for your neighbor in your heart? How much true love that you will their good. And what is the true good? The true good is their salvation. That I will do anything. I will sacrifice everything in my life in order not to cause scandal, in order not to sin, and in order not to lead people away from God, that everything I do will be directed toward God, will begin with God's inspiration, carried on through his help, and then directed toward him and for building up of the kingdom of God. And that's that mandate never went away. We're still supposed to be building up the kingdom of God. We're still supposed to be praying for this outspoken pouring of the Holy Spirit, that we will have that love, that perfect love that casts out fear, and that we in boldness will speak. As Mother Angelica used to say, do the ridiculous yeah. so God can do the impossible. That's right. You know, and, and she did. I mean, look at the things Mother Angelica did. It was ridiculous. You know, who was she? This little nun was crippled, yep. you know, for most of her, most of her adult life. And, and here she did this tremendous work for the Lord mm-hmm. of, of trying to bring the word to evangelize the world. And it's beautiful. God is still doing this. He can still do this. And he still wants each one of us to do our part in building up the kingdom of God. And so Peter makes it clear that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. And he is truly God. So and that and now the people are like, well, what are we supposed to do? We crucified him. We rejected him. Now what? And then. Mm And he says, fine, not a problem. He says, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and all that are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls. And so he's exhorting them to receive the gift of baptism. And he says here, be, named, be baptized in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus. What he means by that is be baptized with the formula that Jesus gave. And when Jesus gave the commission at the end of the gospel, he says, go and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You see, our faith is in God, who is one, but is three. He is a trinity of persons. He is a community of love and life. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are baptized in the name of, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because there's only one God, but there are three persons. So we're not baptized in the names of, because it's not three gods. It's one God. And so Peter exhorts the people that they need to be baptized. Baptism is necessary. It God's not bound by the sacraments. If a person doesn't have the opportunity to receive the sacraments, God can give them the grace outside the sacramental system. But if they have the opportunity to receive the sacraments and they know the sacraments are necessary, then yes, we are bound by the sacraments. We need to make ourselves avail of those. That's why in that dark time in the church we were talking about at the beginning where so many people weren't going to church and weren't receiving Holy Communion, the church had to make a law. You have to receive Holy Communion once a year because people weren't even going to Holy Communion. They'd come into the church for a little while and you know, be there for the consecration of mass and leave. And so the church had to say, no, you need to spend more time with the Lord. You need to receive him. You know, it's like that. Would you think of only eating one meal out of the year? Well, what about your soul? We have a soul and that soul needs life and it's immortal. And the only food for our soul is the food that God gives us, his grace. But in the Eucharist, he gives us himself, not just his grace, not just his help, but he gives us his very self. And when he gives us the Holy Spirit too, he gives us something of himself. But Jesus nourishes us on his own body and blood under the appearance of bread and wine in the Eucharist. So we want to pray for the gift of faith. We want to pray that everybody has the gift of faith. We want to pray that we would return to the Lord. We need to give up our sins. Stop offending God who is already too much offended, Our Lady said at Fatima in 1917. And we need to pray for this outpouring of the Spirit that we would no longer be afraid of Men, we're afraid. Well, what's somebody going to think of me? Or what if they come and they start throwing stones at my house, literally? And some people have had that happen, you know, Mm. or kill my family. Or it's like, you know what, Lord, as long as they're going to heaven, as long as we die in the state of grace, you know, it doesn't matter. Lord, if I'm not in the state of grace, put me in the state of grace. And if I'm in the state of grace, keep me in the state of grace. Let me live and die in your grace, Lord. And then go forth and preach the gospel with your life, but also with your words, your kindness, your generosity, your willingness to help those who are in need, never turn your back on the stranger. Who is in
2: need. And just a reminder: if you haven't been to confession in over 30 days, go to confession. We're talking about holiness. Get back and say, well, "I haven't been in it a year." That's okay. Go now. Go now, and we'll see you again next week here with the Bible with the Barbers. May God richly bless you and your family. And thanks for all your support for Virgin Most Powerful Radio, trying to put out clarity with charity. God bless you. Full Sheen ahead.
3: Saint Faustina's Prayer for Priests. O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us.
0: Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.